0: Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota
1: Vikings. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. I am your host, Matt Anderson. I am joined by fellow Climb in the Pocket, uh, Tyler Forness. And we are both joined by none other than Phil Mackey from Score North, Purple Daily. you love him. How are you doing, Phil? Thank or you, you hate me.
0: On. Either way, thanks for coming on. If, uh, if we're getting into some Kirk Cousins brawls here on the show, fully equipped, ready for it, let's do it. <laughs> thanks for having we me did, on, guys.
1: We did dive into that last week, um, the Kirk Cousins debate. So I, I'm always down for a Kirk Cousins debate. It never gets old for me.
0: Yeah, I feel like uh, all you have to really do is like just put the words like Kirk Cousins with some mildly negative statistics out there, and you just cause like a forty-eight hour fight on Vikings Twitter. Not that I'm. It prone doesn't even to do have to that.
1: be negative. It just has to be accurate, and people still. It could will, just be like a fo- yeah, it could be a
0: photo of like Kirk and his family or something, and it's just like forty-eight <laughs> hours of brawling.
1: <laughs> you know, you're talking about hating. I I remember a couple weeks ago I I messaged you, and I'm just sometimes I'm baffled at some of the hate that just comes flying your way. Um, but I think I speak for everybody at climb in the pocket um, that we love your guys's work. Um, and all of you there, Judd, uh, Declan, yourself, even Doogie, Doogie has been kind enough to come on this show um, a couple of times. So, you know, thank you for thank taking you, the brunt of those, uh, those comments. <laughs>
0: I appreciate it. No, I think, thank uh, Thank you. Um, we're just, you know, we're, we're feeling our way around here, you know, year two and a half, I guess of score North. And, um, it's just kind of fun to see other people doing video stuff like you guys are doing and, um, diving into the podcast space. So I, I love, I love how, uh, wide ranging Vikings media is. I mean, you've got your traditional, you know, KFAN, Paul Allen radio, and then you've got all these, you know, digital islands that people can go to. And, um, you know, we're building our thing at Purple Daily. We have strong opinions. We're not always right. When are you guys going to admit that you were wrong? Well, we do that every week, too. Uh, accountability <laughs> session on Wednesday is cheap plug. That's our episode today. Um, but, um, yeah, I well, think, I don't know. I think I think we're in a weird spot with the Vikings right now in that the expectations are high. The hope is high. But the last month has felt really rickety. Just a lot of, like Irv Smith's out yes. for the season. And, the offensive line, Christian Darrisaw has barely practiced since being drafted. And it kind of feels like the coach and the quarterback hate each other. So there's like all these things that are just percolating right now. And I think everyone's just hoping that it fixes itself by the time week one rolls around. Uh, should be entertaining either way for the next four months.
1: I mean, winning will cure everything. So as soon as, as, soon as that first W hits that column, uh, we should be okay. Uh, but I do want to stick on on Score North for a, a quick second, because you said it's been a couple years uh, since it, it's like existed. Um, and I know Dave, you know, he really wanted to to kind of hear about your new sponsor, uh, Surly, and, and kind of how that came about. That's a big I'm one actually, for you guys. I'm
0: cheating on them right now, but it's regional. I'm drinking a Pacific Northwest <laughs> uh, concoction here. you um, can Photoshop so, it. Man. Sure. Sounds good. So, yeah, so Surly, uh, man, what an awesome, fun partnership. So Surly jumped on board last month as the title presenting sponsor for Purple Daily across all platforms. And um, we're just in the early stages. We're a month into this thing. Well, we're going to have some fun things, I think, planned in the future. Um, but I think it's a sign that the way uh, I think the way that brands partner with each other is changing. I think no longer is it just TV, radio, newspaper, right? Uh, I think, you know, we just try to create a fun community of Vikings fans and Minnesota sports fans and build it and entertain all of you guys. And the next step is building an actual business out of it. And that's what kind of what we've said from the beginning of score North is that we need to listen, like AM 1500 has been the place where I got my start in radio and sports media um, at least on a full time basis, but you're not going to reach all of the people that you need to reach just doing AM radio. And so, you know, for us, just to go back even before the surly thing, we said, how can we continue to serve the AM radio crowd, but also build something that's more sustainable for the next five, 10, 15 years, build a business out of it. And uh, that's what we're trying to do at Score North and with Purple Daily. With podcasts, with video, with social media, and with radio as well, and then and the big thing for us is we need companies like Surly to believe in what we're doing, to partner with us, and to help push us to the next level. And so uh, we've got a lot of great partners, but it's just it's it's really cool to see a local rooted and I would say fun and innovative company like Surly see the value in what we're trying to do for Minnesota sports fans and say, all right, we're in. Let's do this. We don't know even exactly what this is going to look like over the twelve. Plus months um, over the year, but um, it's. I think we're really grateful that they see value in what we're doing, and they see value in the audience and the community that uh, that we hang with every single day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know you're in Seattle now, but uh, I mean, I live right down the street from from your stomping grounds at KSTP, and so uh, it's not too far over from from Surly. So I'm sure Judd and Declan can just kind of walk on over and stumble into a beer after work. <laughs>
0: I think, I think Judd, I think Judd and his wife are just living there now. Actually. I don't I think they might've just (laughs) sold their house. Not even totally sure, but, uh, yeah, (laughs) that would be Judd's dream. Actually. We're going to lock you inside Surly and, uh, they're going to make you pizzas and pour you furious just for two weeks.
1: All day. 24 hour (laughs) broadcast. Yes. (laughs) Tyler, I feel like I haven't talked to you yet. Uh, you're a busy guy too. tell people about kind of what's new in your world. Um, in the, in the big news that you got?
2: Absolutely. Well, first uh, I just want to say, Phil, thank you for coming on and Matt, how dare you speak for me and not even try to talk to me. I feel really disrespected (laughs) right now. Um, I
1: talked to you enough. No, (laughs)
2: that's, that's incredibly fair. Um, Yeah. I I did have some big news. Um, I accepted a position with uh, NBC sports edge uh, in the college football division uh, about, I want to say it's been about two weeks. I'm actually having my first big boy shift here tonight. I've got uh, Jacksonville State and UAB on right next to me. And I'm going to be doing a lot of like the Roto World style blurbs, uh, some long form articles here and there as well. And I'm really excited. Uh, the team and everybody that I've had a chance to talk to the NBC has been um, upwards of uh, phenomenal and even better, uh, the, led by uh, Thorne Eystrom who I know is a, a friend of the network and a friend of Score North as well. Um, and congratulations to him. Uh, he just bought a house, and it's <laughs> disgusting how beautiful it is. Uh, so uh, very, very happy for him. But, yeah, it's it's been a really good couple of weeks, and my wife and I just moved into our house, which is why I have an improved background over um, sitting on a couch that didn't have any feet on it. At my old place. So I'm, I'm very excited to be sitting in a chair and really excited to keep moving forward in the media landscape and uh, try and carve out my niche and uh, continue to work hard and be able to sit where Phil is in a few years and make, be able to call this my full-time job.
0: Uh, I love the Randy Moss mooning photo in the back that you, you know, you (laughs) limited, limited space there behind you and you need a couple Mm -hmm. good photos. I think you picked the right one there for sure.
2: Yeah, I, I intentionally had my dad uh, hang them while I was looking into my computer with my camera on, so there was one on each side. But Phil, who's the other
1: one?
0: Trying to figure that out here. Hold on. So it's number 16. Um, Is that an LSU? I thought,
1: I thought it was Joe Maurer in, when he played for Creighton.
0: Oh. It is Joe Maurer when he played for Creighton. Is it? Dude,
1: that's a great yeah. call.
2: Wow. Wow. So I, I was a manager for Buffalo Wild Wings for three years and they used to have auctions where like those silent auction gimmicks where you, you there's like stuff hanging and then you put a bet bid down and well I talked to the guy every week when he came in, I'm like, hey, if nobody buys that, I want it. And he cut me a deal and then eventually in between those two, I'm gonna have a Houston Oilers autograph Warren Moon jersey hanging up. And I bought both of those from him and cut me a good deal and uh just that awesome uh pieces to have right
0: behind me. Awesome, man. By the way, yeah, congrats on the new gig. Um, we're gonna get Tyler on Purple Daily here sometime, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. And just so we can get all the pleasantries and uh, glad handing out of the way, I respect the hustle of the climb in the pocket crew. I think you guys do a lot of great work and it's fun to see you guys grinding your way and building an audience. So now that we got that out of the way, let's fight about the Vikings. Let's argue, yes.
1: Let's do this. Yes. I'm ready everybody? to get served done. tonight. <laughs> um, a lot of stuff in the last 24 hours. Um, so it was cut day yesterday, and the Vikings, you know, overpaid for a, a tight end with upside, I guess you could say. Um, I, I don't know where you guys want to start, but, Phil, I'm going to just toss it to you and, and kind of see – where your thoughts are over the last 24 hours.
0: Well, the Irv Smith thing is a, is a huge buzzkill. And I think you know, obviously the Vikings are stacked with position players and they are, they had one scare with Justin Jefferson. I think when when he was on the ground about three weeks ago, after bumping into Breland in practice, it was like, Oh my God, is this a collarbone, a shoulder? And, yeah. but he's fine. Uh, Thielen, looks like he's going to be fine. And Dalvin cook. So the, the three main, offensive weapons are fine, but I just feel like Irv Smith was, I again, and, and I don't know what the split was going to be between him and Conklin, what their plan was going to be. But I think if they were to give Irv Smith, you know, 75, 80% of the snaps and, and Mike Zimmer even said, I think it was today or yesterday. I can't remember speaking to the media. He said, yeah, we were going to use Irv Smith as a third wide receiver, basically like not, not lined up with a hand in the dirt, but like split out wide on third down and passing situations. Um, and so they're gonna and now they're gonna wind up just replacing that with an actual receiver like a KJ Osborne. But, you know, I, I just think the Vikings offense had so and it still has potential, but obviously this knocks a notch off of whatever their upside is offensively for him to be out for the season. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Herndon <laughs> doesn't do a lot for me. Like it's better than they don't have a lot of depth of that position, so I get it. I just uh I don't know. It just kind of feels like sometimes the Vikings get weird and panicky around this time of year and trade a fifth round pick for a kicker that they cut or a second round pick for Ngakwe. And then they realize after five weeks that's not working. And so, you know, for for as stingy as Rick Spielman is with draft capital, you know, stockpiling picks in the actual draft, he gets real loosey goosey for marginal players a week before the season. Sometimes a first round pick for Bradford, I think that was the right move, you know, five years ago. But I don't know. I guess I guess. Long rambling point longer, I still think this team can be really competitive, but I almost feel like everything has to go perfectly now because they don't have enough depth at most positions to withstand like two or three injuries. They need Kirk to play out of his mind like he did down the stretch at times last year when they were trying to claw back into playoff contention, Um, and I think they need Mike Zimmer to green light a more aggressive offensive approach in certain situations. So I don't know if all those things are going to happen. They could, but, um, we'll see.
1: Oh, I think I lost my internet there for a second. I'm sorry, but, um, I I think we all did. Okay. (laughs) I caught up until the, uh, the, the, the Mike Zimmer being aggressive and, I don't want to steal too much away from from Tyler's show on Monday because I know he's gonna have you on as well. You're gonna do some season preview stuff but um, I really do expect an extremely aggressive Mike Zimmer. He's backed into a corner now. we've we've kind of heard a different tone in his interviews, whether he's talking about vaccinations, whether he's talking about you know I feel like in the past with crappy preseason games he's just like, oh whatever it's preseason this year it's not the case he's very you know no this team is scrimmaging we're getting this crap out of the way um and so I do hope to a certain degree that he's more aggressive whether it's a fourth down call you know kind of what we saw in Seattle last year I think would be a a good example of, of a more aggressive um Mike Zimmer Tyler I do want to get your thoughts uh you know You know kind of a little bit more about Chris Herndon, I feel like, being a draft guy that you are. Can you tell people, the fans, you know, what are we even getting out of Chris Herndon? Or do you think he's just going to be behind Conklin?
2: Herndon's going to be behind Conklin initially, but he's not going to be for very long. Herndon is a very talented player. And when you kind of look at his 2018, he really kind of came out of the blue and had a fantastic rookie year. Now, the one thing with tight ends is they don't have great first years your second years traditionally because it takes a couple years to really get your feet wet not only are you going against much higher profile athletes that are covering you and those linebackers and safeties and you're facing at the college level but you have to face grown men blocking in the trenches and that is something that yet you're not really asked to do a lot for some of these guys especially those pass catchers so when you kind of take all that in consideration his rookie year was really good Now 2019 started off with a suspension and then he got hurt and everything just kind of derailed from there in 2020 was kind of the same thing as far as like the injury front. Now I talked to a couple of of my jet sources and one of them said he's going to make the spectacular ones and he's going to screw up uh, the easy ones. And then uh, I talked to a much higher profile uh, jet source. And what he told me was it's mental. He's got to uh, really Uh, get grindy and focus. And if he can do that, then you're really going to see something special from him. I don't like the fact that it was a fourth for a guy who relatively is unproven throughout three years. And he hasn't had a good season since 2018. I do like the fact that we got a sixth back and $1.4 million in cap space. So in essence, we don't really lose any cap space by making this trade, which I'm really intrigued to see what Rick Spielman does with it. We've already seen Harrison Smith get that extension. Uh, they lower the cap hit around three million for this season. And then next year, like, well, we've got all these uh, holes that we have to fill. Brian is still a free, agent, a free agent after the season. Like, it feels like Rick Spielman made a panic move, and he planned really well with his panic move. And I, I've been so confused by how the Vikings have uh, explored this entire offseason because they're trying to deny that they need to rebuild by fixing all these holes with stop gaps and they even kind of admitted it themselves. When nobody signed longer than a two year contract, Anthony Barr now has a, essentially a one year deal. Patrick Peterson one year Dalvin Tomlinson has a two technically Sheldon Richardson has a three, but th- those last two are void years. So at, they're trying to just stop the floodgates from opening. But it, as Phil kind of mentioned early on, feels like everything has to go perfect. And there are all these little things, all these little nuggets that keep popping up. Uh, Everson Griffin calling Kirk Cousins ass. And then they just signed him out of the blue. All right. Um, Mike Zimmer throwing shade at everybody who's not vaccinated. Um, there are reports. And I've heard multiple times that there are multiple Vikings. I think it was Doogie that said it. Multiple Vikings. Who would retire before getting the vaccine? The lo- one of the lowest vaccination rates in the league. Like It's it feels like it could be a situation like 2016 where you have one bad thing happen, like Teddy, and then everything just kind of spirals out of control, even with some success. And I I don't have a lot of optimism with this team right now because of that. Uh, I do like Herndon as a player, but it kind of scares me that he's coming into this system. He had an offseason with the Jets to kind of learn it, but feels like they're going to rely heavier on their wide receivers, so it might be more of a Sean McVay Zone attack than a Clint Kubiak zone attack, so I'm. It's it's really tough for me to be optimistic right now, considering everything that's gone on.
0: The other big question too that I don't think people are really talking about a lot yet because there's just it's hard to quantify unless you're in the room. Clint Kubiak has never called plays before. Yep. He's a young dude mm-hmm. in his mid 30s. Now I th- I do think there's a lot of detractors that just chalk it up to well nepotism. Like he wouldn't. Well, yeah, like. He probably wouldn't have this job if his dad wasn't Gary Kubiak. It doesn't mean that he's not qualified or that he's not a great Mm -hmm. offensive mind. You know, Kyle Shanahan likely wouldn't have had the jobs that he's had at such a young age if his dad wasn't Mike Shanahan. Clearly qualified still, though. So I don't want to chalk it up to just nepotism and look at he's just this unqualified guy that, you know, got a free pass to a coordinator job. But he has to prove. That he can call plays and be aggressive at the right times, and some of that's going to be on you know what Mike Zimmer greenlights and doesn't. And Judd pointed out something on our show, you know, looking at the last couple preseason games that they've been trying to figure out from preseason game to preseason game is Clint Kubiak going to call plays from the sideline, which he did one game, or the booth? And that may seem like a small thing, but like when you're still tinkering with. How do you feel in the booth versus on the sidelines that like you're still feeling your way around as a play caller and where you should even be? That's not something that you want to be trying to figure out a couple weeks before the season starts. You like, you'd like the Vikings to just know what they're doing play calling wise. You know, There's a couple moments where Kirk looked frustrated that plays weren't coming in quick enough. Um, can they iron some of that stuff out even that we don't even think about, but that's very important to this year's Vikings team, especially in the first month?
1: Yeah, I think that's a solid point to bring up that essentially in a year where Zimmer, Rick, even Kirk to a certain extent are all in on this season and it has to do well, they are another injury on offense away from completely being garbage with a completely unknown offensive coordinator. And we'd like to think everything goes perfect, right? Because that's just, we want our team to do well. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, maybe the, we talk about the preseason and how the offense didn't even really score a touchdown. I think they got, one, did they get one in the final preseason game or did yes. they still not well, they had, one? they had, yeah. they had
0: mm-hmm. about the first team offense or the offense in general,
1: just the offense in general,
0: I think they scored two rushing touchdowns in the last preseason game. I'm pretty sure, Okay, but it was like gar- garbage time kind of a deal.
1: So they always chalk that up to like, oh, well, it's preseason, who cares, blah, blah, blah. But like when you have a new offensive coordinator, like whether it's first team, second team, third team, like that's still a concerning uh, thing to go on throughout preseason without a without a touchdown, um, even though they did get some at the end. So uh, do you guys, I mean, you kind of talked about K- Kubiak a little bit. Tyler, do you trust Kubiak?
2: I don't not trust him, but I don't trust him yet. and. I'm not taking anything away from preseason. I understand the point that Judd made the other day about, hey, we're trying to still figure out if he's going to be on the sidelines or in the booth. Well, they did both in the first two preseason games because Clint probably isn't sure how he wants to run that because he's never done it before. So as much as you want to have that all situated and figured out, at the same time, he has to experience it in order to truly understand how he wants to go about it. So I'm not reading a ton into it even though I do genuinely understand why it can be a concern and a valid one at that. Uh, I, I just don't know what he's going to be. He's uh, obviously worked for his dad for a long time. Nepotism got him in the biz. because one of the tough parts about being a young coach in the hey, national cheers football to,
0: Cheers to nepotism. You guys cheers to nepotism. <laughs> if you can there take advantage go. of it, more power to you, I guess.
2: <laughs> and, uh, well, the big thing with nepotism is you don't make much money and you're working like 15, 16 hours a day. And because you don't make much money, you're working that long of hours, you can't exactly get a second job. A lot of these people will live with a friend, live with their parents. Well, if you work for your dad, it's easy to live for free. So it, nepotism gets your foot in the door, but after that, yeah. you, you have to earn it for the most part. So Clint Kubiak has obviously shown enough to Mike Zimmer and uh, Rick Spielman and the Wolves that he deserves this opportunity. He's worked for his dad. He's worked under a more vertical style of passing offenses. I'm really intrigued to see what he's going to do, how he's going to utilize route concepts, uh, the running game. Obviously Rick Dennison is kind of taking a big step back because of his position on not wanting to be vaccinated. So that's going to um, make some interesting things as far as how the offensive line continues to grow and gel. So I'm intrigued to see how it all plays out. I'm keeping a completely open mind after about four weeks, I'm going to start making uh judgments on how good of a play caller he is because we just don't know there's too many unknowns and variables to make any kind of concrete or even general assumptions right now other than hey he worked for his dad he's probably gonna run a lot of the same stuff like that's that feels like a given because a lot of offenses are built on what you learn and what you know
0: so we'll see i'm cautiously optimistic Speaking of nepotism, have you guys ever heard or seen Steve Belichick speak before in public? The mullet is beautiful.
1: He sounds just like his dad, doesn't he?
0: Dude, Mm -hmm. I have a a clip here. Like, this is is nepotism (laughs) down to the way that he talks, okay? (laughs) Hold on a second. Fire this up here. All right, this is. Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about how it correlates. It's just trying to do my thing, and I think that that's what's best. So that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> I love it, man. He sounds like his dad. Exactly.
2: exactly. I really hope that Bill, when he retires, starts hosting coaching clinics of how to talk to the media and just be like, here's how you say everything and literally say nothing with as few words as possible.
0: He let someone, I think it was Mike, Mike, uh, is it Mike Reese? I can't remember, the camera, the guy who covers that the ESPN reporter. Yeah. 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 And Mike, you know, they've he's covered him for 15 years or whatever. And, and he's asking Bill about, Hey, can you, this is like four or five days ago before they made their quarterback decision on cam being cut. And he's asking Bill Belichick about, Hey, can you just provide some clarity? And it's this long winded question and Bill's just staring at him the whole time. And finally he gets done with the question and Bill goes. We'll announce the transactions after they happen. <laughs> oh my All right. God. Good talk, Bill.
1: Thanks. It would be fun to be a media member over there, though, I feel like.
0: Just find new ways to be shot down every single day.
1: <laughs> every single day. I have, <laughs> I have heard that
2: outside of football, Bill is a really fun guy. But it's hard to really understand that because, you know, he's Bill Belichick. He is Bill Parcells Jr., uh, the only difference between Belichick and Parcells is Parcells would literally just rip you a new one up at the podium and Belichick is just going to stare you down. Like you're an idiot.
0: I'll bet you Bill, uh, there's been some pictures we've seen bill with like, you know, like a Hawaiian shirt on the beach in the off season for like the three days that he unplugs. I'll bet you mm-hmm. get a couple cocktails in him, you know, get him out to some resort. I bet he parties a little bit. I bet he can be fine, oh, yeah. but it's only, it's only for like a day and a half and then he's back to football.
2: Then he's like, well, oh, he I has a yacht that's named like it's either eight or nine rings. That's the boat's yeah. name. Yeah.
0: Oh my god. He's got to get that thing right. updated every every two years. Get that new paint job. At exactly. another ring. He's
1: it. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's earned it at this point. Um, back to the Vikings in cut day. Um, are there are any surprising takeaways from you guys? Um, I'm a little confused. With Britton Brit Colquitt today, um, he was cut. Then I heard from Doogie; it was just a procedural thing, and that he'll be back. So I don't quite get that with all the new rules going on. But um, sounds like he'll be back. Sounds like Griffin's back. Um, I was at dinner before this, so the past three hours I am just like completely out of the loop. But um, any any takeaways from there?
0: Uh, actually, so yeah, I I also if it's in the last like two hours. I did see that Colquitt got cut, but I'm just going to, I don't know. Like you said, we don't know. There's some different procedural things happening this year. Everson yeah. Griffin. Um, but if they do, and they want to, they signed the long snapper guy back. So, um, so he's back, but any, so we had Ryan Longwell. Ryan Longwell is just a brilliant kicking and execution mind. Like well, how he's not consulting or coaching more. Maybe he just doesn't want, maybe he just wants to golf down in florida yeah. Uh, but he, he's made yeah you make that much money you know go golf 36 holes a day and call it a night um yeah. but he he's he's been on our show a few times just we'll bring him on as like a kicking you know expert or whatever and when dan bailey had that meltdown against the buccaneers i'm trying to remember the sequence of events but i'm pretty sure didn't they like get rid of their long snapper and bring a new didn't there was some sort of change, like mid-season with a long snapper, and I can't remember the full details of last year. But yeah, they the point, Austin cutting, thing, thing.
1: yeah, that's Austin right. Cutting.
0: So the point Ryan was making is people underestimate if you make a change with the holder, with the kicker, with the long snapper. People just think, oh, well, just like put someone else in, and they anyone can hold, just don't drop the ball, right? He said there's so many little intricacies with timing and with just like knowing how someone's going to put a football down within a half inch over here or there. And like things that we wouldn't think about. So if they don't bring Colquitt back and if they have a new holder, that's a bigger deal than people will. Mm -hmm. You think, Oh, just get a new punter, get a guy in here. Who's vaxxed, who can kick the ball a couple yards further. Well, you don't want to throw off Greg Joseph who hasn't kicked in an NFL game in the regular season in a long time. So if they bring, if they, if they bring back Colquitt, okay, then this conversation is moot, but it's something to well, think about. And I, the I Vikings hate, had major issues with still, kicking,
2: but yeah. uh, they already, uh, it was already reported that they are going to bring Cole coat back, but I'm glad you went Good. on that tangent because I think it's a really important point. And it's not something you think about, but then when you, when you talk about it and how the, those little intricacies, it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, it, it's kind of like timing in baseball. Like you have to have your timing, right. And you have to be able to judge everything really, really fast when you're at the plate and you have to be able to make contact. Well, it's very similar with kicking. You have to have your timing perfect because the second that ball snap, you need to have faith in your holder. They're going to get it down. They're going to spin the laces. They're going to have it angled right so you can make your kick. If there is a little bit of distrust and you take a little bit of hesitation, it can ruin everything. It can become Blair Walls 2015 against the Seahawks. Like, there are so many details, and you have to have full confidence. There has to be a level of trust. Like, uh, it was the 49ers-Giants uh, wildcard game from, like, 2007, I think it was, when the uh, Giants were down by, like, the, the Giants were up by, like, 21 points. The Niners came back and won that game. And at the very end, they had a long snapper, Trey Junkin, who was in the league for, like, 20 years, took him off the street, and he botched the snap. That those little things make such a big difference, and I'm glad you brought that to light, you, uh, with Ryan Longwell because it's, it makes all the sense in the world.
1: We're still missing a long snapper at the current moment, right? I don't think we have one. He resigned.
0: Uh, he resigned today. Yeah, he oh, resigned he? today. That's the thing. It's like it's 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 almost I like <laughs> we got smoked yesterday because we we reacted yeah. on Purple Daily to Everson Griffin. And some other moves. And we were like, what's going on? You know, post the episode. People are, I'm reading the comments today. And it's like, you idiots. So we're just yeah. going to, we're just going to wait on any transaction before we overreact here. Now.
1: <laughs> I feel like next week is probably the, f- the first time we can appropriately react. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't ask you about this before or prep you or anything like that, but, uh, Tyler knows a little bit about this. We have a, a group chat with Climb in the pocket. And today, um, we kind of talked about the importance of a backup quarterback. And so I kind of want to get your thoughts on that because there are rumors that the Vikings are interested in bringing Sean Mannion back. And we had a lot of people from climbing the pocket in there saying, screw it. No, just go with Mond. We don't need to bring Sean Mannion back. He's horrible, blah, blah, blah. I think Tyler and I were on the same page of saying, I don't think Mond's ready. He's looked like, he hasn't looked great this preseason. Um, and if Kirk's hurt, your season's probably already screwed. But if Mannion's the backup, I would trust him to be a game manager and not lose us the game because he knows so much about it. Um, so I guess, what side are you on? Are you on Kellen Mann can be our QB two, Or would you like the Vikings to go get Sean Mannion?
0: So I'll start my answer by saying I love how... Six months ago, or you know, eight months ago, at the end of the regular season, going. if anybody would have said, "Hey, Sean Mannion's going to be the backup in 2021," everyone would have been like, "What? Why, dude? Just find somebody else who can come in and not be a disaster." And Jake Browning was so bad in those three preseason games, everyone's like, "Can we just get Mannion back?" Okay, well, sorry, sorry for ever <laughs> slandering Sean Mannion. We'll never say a bad word about him again. What a wonderful form on that clipboard holding. Just amazing the thumb placement. He's one of the great clipboard holders in recent NFL history. Bring Sean Mannion back and double his paycheck. Like that's how bad Jake Browning was in the three preseason games. And it's kind of it's 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 kind of disappointing in that, you know, when the other three quarterbacks got knocked out with COVID protocol and Jake Browning, you know, three hours before that night practice, the coaches come up and they're like dude, you're throwing the ball a hundred times tonight. <laughs> you're literally going to be back there. It's going to be you and like uh, an intern on the coaching staff are going to be throwing all the <laughs> passes. And then tomorrow we're going to go and find a division three St. John's quarterback to work out or something because uh, these guys were all out for five days and he handled that really well. Like he played well in the night practice and it yeah. kind of felt like, okay, Jake Browning stepped up. He performed well in front of a crowd and last minute uh, curveball thrown at him. And Mike Zimmer followed up a day or two later by lauding his leadership. Mike Zimmer flat out said, he's a great leader. His teammates gravitate toward him. And in the two-minute drill, Jake Browning is a get-it-done guy. Never (laughs) in the three-plus years of Kirk Cousins being the Vikings quarterback has Mike Zimmer come within 100 yards of saying anything that complimentary about Kirk. So in that moment, it was like, wow, the coach is almost vouching for Jake Browning to like compete for a starting job right now. I'm being facetious. Don't, don't quote <laughs> that Vikings Twitter. Um, And then, and then, and then he gets into these actual preseason games where it's like, dude, you should be carving some of these second and third string. I get that. You're also not like, he's not playing with Jefferson and Thielen. And I get yeah. that, but you know, but he shouldn't look like a, a frazzled disaster in those three games. So I guess to answer your question, um, it was the right move to say goodbye to Jake Browning. Maybe he winds up back on the practice squad, but it sounds like if the Vikings bring Mannion back, he doesn't want to be on the Vikings yep. practice squad. We'll see how that plays out. Um, I was actually kind of hoping when the Patriots cut Brian Hoyer, that that might be an option, but that's also a procedural move and the Patriots are going to bring him back. Now that you've traded for Herndon, I don't think it makes sense to keep giving up draft capital for backup players. Like, I, yep. you know, Nick Foles, Joe Flacco, like people laugh at these names, but those are very suitable, viable backup quarterbacks. But they also cost a lot more money and they will cost you draft capital most likely, unless those guys have been cut in the last day and I haven't seen it. Um, So I I just don't know, man. There's not not that many options where if Kirk gets sidelined for a month where you're not screwed. So it's it's a it's tough to sit here and say that whether it's Sean Mannion or Joe Flacco, like if either one of those guys is your quarterback for more than about a game and a half, your season's probably over anyways. So I'm not going to lose a ton of sleep over it, but I'd be okay if Mannion came back and was the backup quarterback because I'd rather not throw Mond into the fire too early. I think he I think he should sit, spend the season watching, observing, working on his mechanics and everything. I'm still bullish on him long term but there's no reason to throw him in the fire in week four just because you don't have any other options. So that's my take on it.
1: Yeah. And I, I think Tyler Tyler was the one who said it today in in the group chat, but just like the only reason you're playing Mond is if, if Kirk is out for the season and the season is completely shot, that's the only instance where, I mean, I have to think mm-hmm. if they don't go with Mannion, which I I just am assuming they are. Pelicero's reported that they have a lot of interest and whatnot. If they don't go with Manion early, um, then then you probably would look to invest some draft capital because in a season that's so pivotal for a lot of guys in the front office and coaching staff, do you wanna risk it on Kellen Mond? <laughs> maybe maybe you do. Who do I what do I know?
0: Do you guys do you guys real quick, do you guys find it? So the Vikings have depth issues, right? They're sitting here and the quarterback is, mm-hmm. is one that, they, you know, they did try to address quarterback with Mon. I have a thought on that too, by the way, but we're sitting here in the biggest conversation and Mike Zimmer has been frontal about this all during the preseason saying, man, if we get hurt, at, there's a few positions where if we get someone hurt, we are screwed. And maybe yeah. we can find some guys on waivers. Rick Spielman has stockpiled 38 draft picks over the last three years third they've they've selected 38 players in the last if you go back uh 2019 20 21 and they get the 21 crowd is it's they're fresh a bunch of rookies mm-hmm. so it's tough to really lean on them but i don't know it's like not all of them have failed clearly there's been justin jefferson's one of the best players in the nfl but like If you're not developing, if you're not selecting the right players so that you can feel comfortable with them being backups, at least, or, you know, next guy up, or if you're not developing them in the right way, then what's the point of picking 38 players? Why not use some of those picks to move up for better players or trade them for already established players? That's what I'm having a tough time with here. It's like, that's a lot of draft picks, a historical amount of draft picks over a three year stretch. And you have massive depth issues still. Why is that?
1: Yeah, there's, they say more shots at the dartboard, right? But where are those players? Because
0: mm-hmm. when
1: we when we talk about the development, I feel like that that's a big knock that not enough people talk about within the Vikings is the lack of development. And whether that's on Rick Spielman and his personnel department or it's on Mike Zimmer and his coaches, you should be able to churn out some more capable backups, to your point, um, and, and maybe we'll be proven wrong this year with Ole Udo, sixth round pick, but that's one instance in the last how many handful of years. Um mm-hmm. and you know, to your point, you have those draft picks, trade up, go get somebody you want. We watched Antoine Winfield uh go to Tampa. We could have gone up and got him. Um uh, I think the big We didn't have to be, uh, go up to get
2: him. He was there at thirty one. <laughs> He
0: was there yeah, in 22. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, maybe that, last maybe season all. was a fluke for Antoine Winfield Jr. Probably not. <laughs> here, here here here's my okay, I have a theory on this. And I would I'd I'd like to cuz Tyler's the draft expert here and so I'll give my theory and then I'll shut up so that smarter people can answer this question. So, I think Rick Spielman I'll I'll preface this by saying I think Rick Spielman has done a really good job by and large. He's been he's been overseeing Uh, at least a chunk of the front office since 2007. So he's been here for 14 years. He's had draft influence for all 14 years. He's been the GM for almost 10. And I think he's done largely a good job of building at least good enough rosters to compete for playoff spots. Like there are a lot of train wreck GMs. The Vikings do not have a train wreck GM. They don't have an elite GM either, but he's a good GM. But Mm -hmm. he very rarely sticks his neck out on the line in the draft. I almost feel like, in the back of his mind, his draft strategy is largely to prevent himself from being fully accountable for a failed pick. So the Vikings were sniffing around Justin Fields. Multiple reports are Doogie has it ironclad. They were offering the Lions, the Panthers. They like Justin Fields, and they were There's trying to get up into the top ten. the
2: Panthers' offer,
0: yes. And they were laughing at it, right? The Vikings offered it like was, we'll give you like a seventh round pick in two thousand twenty-four. We'll swap. It in. was
2: fourteen ninety and one thirty-four uh to go up six spots to eight. And that easily it ne- needs to require a first round pick or multiple yep. seconds.
0: And we and we're pretty sure it was for Justin Fields, although that part wasn't on the, the captured audio, but like based on reporting and piecing it together. But if you stick your neck out and you trade and you give up the actual capital it would have taken to move up to seven or eight or whatever, now your job is attached to that quarterback. Cause this is now the, now it's the second quarterback that you've taken a stab on early in the first round. Christian Ponder was the first that was so early in his tenure that it just, you know, all right, it didn't work out whatever of the next. And, a but if you trade, yeah, but if you trade back, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll trade back. Derisaw will still be there or somebody else. And we like Kellen Mond too. We'll just grab Kellen Mond in the third round. You can then say, Hey, we're planning for the future. at quarterback, we took Kellen Mond in the third round, but you can also say, eh, it's pretty rare that third round quarterbacks or fourth round quarterbacks pan out. It's like a 20% hit rate on, uh, those guys becoming multi-year starters. And so like, you know, if it doesn't work out, well, it's just how it works with third round quarterbacks. You know, it's, 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 it's almost like, accountability proof by handling the draft the way that he does. I'm just going to keep moving back. I'm going to win every trade and move back and stockpile picks. Because if I trade up, if I go up from, if I do what Andy Reid and the Chiefs did, and I'm wrong about Pat Mahomes, I'm fired. But sometimes you have to be aggressive like that if you want to change your franchise and go from good to great. And so that's, that's my beef or my question about Spielman's draft strategy is, is he just trying to play it safe too often and it's preventing the Vikings from going good to great.
2: Yes. The answer is yes. I agree 100%. And I think a lot of it has to do with the comments we got from uh, Chad Graff uh, from the Athletics article in March talking about uh, the Vikings were not going to trade Kirk Cousins. And it, the quotes that were put in that article were, the Wilts want this franchise to be like the Pittsburgh Steelers. They want long-term continuity, long-term success, They want a successful business model. Now, while a successful business model is a fantastic thing when you're looking at the numbers, when you're looking at the books at the end of the year, it does not always spell wins. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about how Spielman's not willing to uh, risk it for the biscuit. Yeah, And you know what? If they really wanted Justin Fields, they would have uh, ponied up the capital to get him. And uh, there's a reason why the Panthers were laughing. The trade offer was pathetic. It was... Uh, an embarrassment to listen to it was atrocious and it honestly it was insulting to justin fields and i i hope he takes that and (laughs) uses it to ring the minnesota vikings to get rick spielman fired i don't actually wish that but i i loved justin fields coming out he was tied for my quarterback too with trey lance who i love to just a tiny bit more but the only way that you don't move up for justin fields is one your ownership tells you no or two you were genuinely scared about the epilepsy and seizure issues. Now, uh, everything as far as his family medical history that I have heard uh, pointed to those issues completely going away and how you can easily grow out of that. But at the end of the day, it's still a quarterback. He's still going to get hit. He's still going to slam his head on the ground, and it's a seizure. My best friend has them. They're scary, very scary. So when you kind of take all those things into consideration, if you don't answer yes to one of those two that I just presented you, you are not willing to do whatever it takes to win the Super Bowl. That's why I don't want Kirk Cousins as the uh, quarterback to the Minnesota Vikings. He's not really willing to do whatever it takes, like he said, because if he was, he'd get vaxxed. And it's not a political thing. It's a football thing. Mike Zimmer wants everybody to get vaxxed because he wants to win football games. That's all it is. By the way, real quick on
0: on that note, like, cause like strip politics and everything out of the, out of the way, the NFL actually just, I don't have the data in front of me, but I read it earlier today. The NFL had, you know, X number of positive tests for COVID over the last during training camp or whatever. And, um, among the positive tests, it was like seven times, there were seven times more positive tests for unvaxed players than vaxxed players. And so, yes. You can and might still get COVID if you are vaxxed. But the fact is, if you if you don't have the vaccination and you come in Thanks contact with someone day. love the graphic, and you come in contact with someone who does have COVID, whether you get it or not, you have to sit out five days. That's the current protocol for the mm-hmm. NFL. And that's why coaches like Zimmer are so adamantly saying, guys, like this could derail a season if, you know, the wrong five day stretch hits and Kirk has to miss two games mm-hmm. or something, right? There's a Thursday, there's a Thursday night game that like you could get you could test positive on a Saturday or come in contact with someone on a Saturday and literally miss both games that week. And that's what the coaches are trying to prevent. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. And uh like let's kind of expand on the fact that we talk about 38 draft picks in the last three years. How many of those are high profile athletes in the first two rounds? Like that that's a big problem, too. You're willing to take those shots. On a Daniil Hunter in round three, a Stefan Diggs in round five, mega hits. He deserves all the credit in the world for making those selections. I don't want to take that away from him. But why aren't you taking that shot in round one? Why aren't you taking that shot in round two? Like, but where are these? Like, hey, we need these high-profile athletes. They're taking them non-stop, rounds five, six, and seven every year. It's a running joke. Hey. What uh, speedy linebacker are the Vikings going to take that weighs 220 pounds in around seven? Steven Weatherly is of the world. Devontae Downs, like it's a, it's a, it's consistent. It's no matter what, it's going to happen. Um, It's, he's not willing to take those risks at all. And I think you're kind of seeing that as far as the development of the roster, like Justin Jefferson, uh, I was a little torn on the pick because I like Denzel Mims more. Um, But, to them, it was an absolute no-brainer all across the, the world. Jeff Gladney was a safe pick. He was a safe pick. He was a senior corner, 23 years old, really good in man coverage, can face bigger receivers and be successful, and then Zimmer can mold him to whatever he wanted. Why don't you take a guy like Antoine Winfield there? Sophomore had all the testing, had fantastic work on the field. Like, Why don't you take a risk there? It's... It's incredibly frustrating, and then when you talk about the quantity, yeah, you, you want to trade back to win with analytics. Phil, you're a spreadsheet guy. You've talked about how your intro to media is the fact that you were a big baseball analytics guy. They, analytics have a huge part as far as how you pr- uh, approach things in any kind of team building, but at the same time, it does, If you have 38 slices of white bread versus eight filet mignons which one are you going to take? <laughs> you're going to take the eight legs, right? I'm hungover, because
1: though.
0: Because yeah, I would take those yeah. I mean, carbs are, good, right, okay. carbs are pretty good, dude. Carbs are pretty good. But I see where you're going with this.
2: Yeah, and uh, my point is, like, analytics are great, but they don't tell the whole story. And at some point, you have to realize, hey, there is a generational-type player sitting six picks ahead of me, and I need to go get that generational-type player. That's why Brett Veach, through all his mistakes – and poor team building. He has Patrick Mahomes and he can cover every single hole on that offense, except when four of your five starting offensive linemen are hurt and you're going against an all-world defensive line.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It and it's incredibly in the Super frustrating. Bowl, by the way, though. Yes, it's in the Super like Bowl. Next... <laughs> he didn't lose a week yeah. 17 game to need to get into the playoffs against the Chicago Bears and Mitch Trubisky. All right. It's it's incredibly frustrating that he's not willing to take that shot. We haven't been willing to take that shot at quarterback since Dante Culpepper. And that took trading Brad Johnson for a first, second, and third-round pick when you had a bona fide MVP candidate in Randall Cunningham on your roster. And then that ended up working out. Other than that, when have we actually cared about the quarterback position other than, hey, we have a great team, let's plug in a guy? We haven't. It's been a symptom of Minnesota Vikings football throughout multiple ownership groups, throughout multiple front offices head coaching regimes, why doesn't anybody care about the quarterback? And we need a complete culture change, I think, in the Minnesota Vikings in order to fix some of these issues. And it's a really tough pill to swallow because this regime has had a lot of success, but it's been incredibly inconsistent. It's been up and down, up and down. And when are we going to just admit, hey, we need to do a Miami Dolphins and blow this thing up rebuild from the ground up with a guy who wants to build a culture. The be- you- Yeah.
0: Sorry, go ahead. It's tough.
2: Finish, finish. No, that's it. It's it's just <laughs> incredibly frustrating as a fan because I watched my Florida Gators go from Steve Spurrier to Ron Zook to Urban Meyer, national titles, to utter shit, and now Dan <laughs> Mullins built the program back up. I, yeah. I don't want to have that with my Vikings too. I want consistency, but I also want them to aim to a be great. A few injuries away from and that. That they're not willing to aim to be great. I don't like that they don't want to try to be great. They want to try to be really good and strike lightning in a bottle like they did with Case Keenum in 2017. Like they did with Brett Favre in 2009. Like they did with Randall Cunningham and Randy Moss in 1998. Like Dante Culpepper, you could argue, was striking lightning in a bottle in 2000. And that was probably, that might have been the best team out of the bunch, that 2000 team. They were so balanced throughout. At I just want them to be great. I'm I'm 100 with you guys on Purple Daily. I want them to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Try and win a Super Bowl, then. Don't fool yourselves. Like this team isn't even close. It's I don't I don't want to be the this big beacon of negativity. But uh, let's just be honest with ourselves. This team is not even close to a Super Bowl.
1: It's I think you
2: the out at 11 right. and six. Past.
0: Yeah, you. So you brought up the Steelers, and I think I, I've also heard Giants because the Wilfs are they're Northeast guys, they're New York, New Jersey guys, and and they grew up on Bill Parcells' Giants teams, and obviously the Steelers are another legendary franchise. The Steelers have had three coaches since the late '60s, like stability, stability. But the difference between and and I will say the Vikings are probably the best team in the in the four major uh, men's professional sports leagues they're probably the best team to never have won a championship now that the astros who who cheated uh but they want us they want a world series the capitals won a stanley cup you know you can make a case for the utah jazz maybe the phoenix suns like historically really good teams i can count i was born in 1985 i can count on like two fingers maybe three the amount of train wreck seasons the vikings have had in my lifetime they're never train wrecky knock on wood You know, once in a while you'll get the three and 13 or the five and 11, and then you'll have to rehire, you'll have to hire a new coach, but it kind of feels like, um, and I, I should say too, the Steelers and the giants have won super bowls while maintaining stability. The Vikings have not, the Vikings have maintained some stability. They at least are competitive on a regular basis, but I kind of feel like the Wilfs and the Vikings front office have become more obsessed with avoiding a train wreck than actually winning a super bowl. Like their, their first thought is how can we, how can we at least be competitive? Let's make sure that we're, we're at least interesting all the way through the end of the season and let's put ourselves in a position to make something happen and ju- let's get to the playoffs. But there, it's not like hockey where you can just kind of get in as a six seed and let's, anything can happen. It's the NHL playoffs in general. You have to be dominant in the regular season. And by dominant, I mean like 12, 13, 14 wins more often yep. than not. To give yourself the best chance to win a Super Bowl, play home games at US Bank Stadium throughout. You know, not that those NFC Championship games <laughs> have always ended well either. Those home games, 1998. But if you want to give yourself the best chance to what we talk about, can they just get in and win a playoff game? No, I want to. Can they win 13 games in the regular season? Are they set up to do that? Are they aggressive enough to do that? Do they have the quarterback to do that? Right? The offensive line to do that? That's what I want. I want to hear more of that. I want to hear more of. It's almost like we're. Because they because they've been for 60 plus years, the identity of this football team and the fan base has been sort of woe is us, right? Oh, man. the Remember 98? Remember 09? Oh, the Blair Walsh miss. It, it's our identity to bitch about the bad things that happened to this franchise. It's how we bond with each other.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's almost like we don't feel like we deserve a Super Bowl. You know, it, it's almost uncomfortable to talk about it. Like we get ripped sometimes on Purple Daily. You guys are too negative. No, we literally start every show by telling you we want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. And so maybe sometimes we're too negative or too hard on the team or, you know, our angst is coming through instead of just being level headed and giving the, the team a chance. Um, but like we we're, we're sick of nine and seven or whatever it would be. Nine and eight now mm-hmm. got to do the math. Um, so we want to see we want to see greatness, and it's it's yeah. part of my beef with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is is a really good quarterback. He's one of the twenty fifteen best quarterbacks in the world. He's not mm-hmm. a great leader. He's not going to ever elevate the people around him in a moment of football crisis. Yes. He it. plays yeah. to the level of the things around him, and when the things around him are very good and stable, and he's getting protection, he's excellent. But it's it's just it's a it's like. A gravitational pull from front office to coach to quarterback—it's a gravitational pull to good, not great. And some people are fine with that. I guess I just want—I just want a little more. I want a little more from the franchise. So if that's negative, no, sorry.
1: No, I—I—I I, I know for my experience, I'm on the same page as you. I know Tyler is too in conversations I've had with him when we talk about. I mean, we were live, Tyler, I and and, and Dave. Uh, during the draft uh, when Justin Fields was there for the taking and I was losing my mind. I'm still losing my mind. The worst part is because he went to the bears. Um, That's just like salt in the wound at this point. But uh, my philosophy is if you don't have the best quarterback in the NFL, then you better be going to try and get the best quarterback in the NFL. And that involves taking risk. And it's, I'd rather have Rick Take shots out a Justin Fields, trading up for whoever else in the past drafts, then going with Treadwell or trading down, uh, taking Bradbury uh, when there were other players we probably could have taken at that point. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, and Tyler, to your point, it's not it's not negativity. It's it's just passion, man. We invest mm-hmm. so much time into this stupid football team (laughs) (laughs) and every year it's just the same like we can predict it all like every single year it's the same thing promising promising upcoming season well they're going to get injured uh there's going to be some some point this season where kirk struggles and every everyone's going to bitch and moan for two and a half weeks but then he'll hit a hot streak for like three or four uh, we will always be in playoff contention at the end to Phil's point. Right. Cause we, we, we mm-hmm. like to stay at that average level of, of mediocrity. Um, and then I feel like come November, we'll get that graphic on Fox uh, the, in the hunt and we'll hear the classic words of the Vikings control their own destiny. And then that's just when we shit the bed that's just how this so.
0: guy, the comment on the screen there was like hey guys all of the things that there it is Darisaw is going to get healthy the O-line is going to be solid the defense will be top five we still have okay. J.J. Thielen Cook we have the ability to make it happen have some faith school and listen like you might be right you might be right Um uh, and so from that we standpoint you you're, yeah <laughs> you might be right I'll, I'll just leave it at that
1: a lot a lot of things got to go right um in order for us to be a successful should, we should season. want better.
2: We shouldn't just want, hey, everything's got to go right. This has to happen. This has to happen. This has to happen. Well, guess what? That's not how it works. That's not how it works in the National yeah. Football League. Even 2017, Dalvin Cook, torn ACL. Sam Bradford ruined his knees. I, I really hope that man can walk in 20 years. Like, no joke. Like, you have Case Keenum, who looked like absolute trash against the Steelers in his first start. Then they kind of figured it out. I've always been a Case Keenum guy. He was so much fun to watch at Houston running that run and shoot. But then again, I'm a run and shoot junkie and I will watch any team that plays the run and shoot. So, when you kind of look at everything, stuff's going to go wrong. You have to have plans. You have to be able yeah. to compensate. We don't have depth. You could argue we don't have the coaching. We don't have uh, the coach doesn't have confidence in some of the elite players to do what they need to do. And Kirk Cousins is going to have a bad first three games. He's going to win NFC Offensive Player of the Month in October and November. He's going to have some struggles down the stretch, and maybe we win a playoff game. And we have seen that as a trend for three years. This isn't just us talking like, hey, this happened once. Three years, struggles early, has a great stretch, struggles late. Maybe we win a playoff game. That's Kirk Cousins. Can
0: you win October does. October does set up very nicely schedule wise for Kirk too. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's two or three home games in there. I think the Lions are in there. Like Octo- yeah. October, is the month, man. He's gonna go. He's gonna throw like twelve touchdowns, one pick, and it won't be his fault in the month of October.
1: It'd be like I'm a hail you. mary, at
0: Player of the Month. Yeah,
1: for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well. I know we could sit and talk about this for a long time. We've, we're coming in on an hour here, and so I just want to be cognizant of time and, and kind of let you guys go here in a second. But before you go, um, I do I do want any final thoughts um, from both of you and – T- Tyler, do you have anything left for us? I know you've been you've been rant city this.
0: Your uh, <laughs> Tyler's left it all in the show. field here, man. I'm just gonna give him a clap for Tyler, man. This is the Michael Jordan flu game for you. I don't know if I don't know if you're sick, but like I'm, I want to be Scottie Pippen carrying you off the court right now. You've left it all out there. <laughs> no, I,
2: I'm not sick. I've just been I'm I've been go go go. I I worked 11 hours today, and then I'm doing NBC tonight, and I, it's there's no flu game. This is just you're getting 100 percent of me all the time. And other than my outrageous sunburn that's still on my face, this is this is just my actual thoughts. Yeah, I was outside for four hours with a hat and sunglasses and I got this. It was absolutely ridiculous. But it that this team needs to figure it out. And I'm genuinely concerned that ownership won't figure it out to make the necessary changes because like they're. They're going to have reasons and excuses for everything. And it, it just worries me long term. This team is not set up for long term success right now. It has a few core pieces, but I, I don't know. That's <laughs> I, Tyler. <laughs> I'm not dejected. I just I said my piece. They need to figure it out. They really I do, know, buddy. And Tyler
0: jumps out jumps out his window. Just gone. <laughs>
2: I've, I've got i got my uh, um what you might call it uh Judd equivalent to Surly um in the brewing project.
0: And I've oh, got my O'Claire peach and blackberry
2: sponsored. cobbler sour. So
0: nice, dude. I, I'm, I'm a fruit forward happy. guy. I'm a fruit Ooh. forward guy. I'm with you. It's
2: it's it's phenomenal. I don't care that it's 300 calories. It's phenomenal.
0: <laughs> You'll change your life tomorrow. Mix in a salad, it'll cancel out. Um, <laughs> oh, it's the Stay calorie.
2: Fair tomorrow. That's ten thousand right there.
0: Oh man,
2: Oof. Friday then. <laughs> yep.
0: You know, I don't know if they've done this, but someone should come up with like a salad to go stand at the state fair. They would probably crush it. People just feeling kind of guilty. You've had nine pronto clubs. You just need to cancel it out.
2: They have a fruit (laughs) stand. I I got kombucha one year. That was really good.
0: Yeah, they also have uh, there's a place called uh, I believe it's uh, Patina's Chicken Grill, uh, which they have also right down the street from the twins spring training facility. That's where I found it when I used to cover the twins like nine years ago. And it's just like amazing chicken, vegetable, and rice bowls. But it's also wow. like right. It's like right next to Sweet Martha's cookies, and it's right <laughs> mm-hmm. next to like uh like the fried ravioli stand. And so you're like, oh, I should I should just be healthy to get it. No, I'm gonna go to get I'm gonna get four buckets of Sweet Martha's cookies and call it a life. Um, oh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you guys with some positivity here because oh. as as many things as there that, that just sort of seem weird over the last month there are a few things that Vikings fans can and should hang their hats on. Daniel Hunter looks like he's back. And if he is back, even at like 90% of the old Daniel Hunter, he's going to be one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. And he's going to rack up a bunch of sacks. Um, I think the Vikings have with Dalvin cook, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, one of the best trios of skill position players in the NFL. It's top five. I think Tennessee is in that top five. Um, I'd have to go down the list but like it's in the top 5. And so they're they're going to get separation. They're not going to need perfect blocking to score points on offense with those three guys if they stay healthy. Speaking of perfect blocking, I think the slogan for the offensive line is just be average in 2021. Mm-hmm. And honestly like Ole Udo Ole Udo is replacing two of the worst graded offensive lineman in the history of pro football focus grading the last 15 years in Drew Samia and Dakota Dozier if Oli Udo can just be average and there's a whole left tackle elephant in the room right now because Rashad Hill is not meant to start long term he's in there right now um, we don't know dare high hopes high ceiling he's a rookie coming off core surgery so that's like you know it's funny. you plug one hole and now another one opens but I think in terms of up the middle pressure, only Udo. If he can just be average, will be a huge upgrade over Dakota Dozier. And um, yeah, I think I I also think Mike Zimmer talking about wanting to throw the ball down the field more between the second and third preseason games. I hope that that is a mantra that he wants to take forward: be aggressive, push the ball down the field, and um, and and don't just play ball control. Like the like this. This is my last point here. I'll shut up. The Vikings. (laughs) statistically are one of the most conservative run first teams on second and short second and long and first and goal just inside the 10. Those are situations where I think you should be throwing the football on a regular basis. The Buccaneers are doing it. The chiefs are doing it, especially second and short. Oh, we just run the ball. We'll Mm -hmm. get the first down. Yeah, but your whole playbook's open and your quarterback is amazing at play action. So like be more, And he's really good at throwing
2: the deep ball. That's what's so frustrating. He refuses to throw the deep ball when it's there. You're really good at it. Do it. But he has his mental block where he
0: refuses. Yeah. So like a lot of things to look at and, and hang your hat on and we'll see what happens against the Bengals.
1: Well, I I love that. Let's, let's end it on a positive note. We talked about beer and positive things for the Vikings. I don't know (laughs) a better ending. So um, with that being said, uh Tyler, thank you for coming on. Phil, a huge thank you for coming on. Uh we should do this quarterly this season. You should come on yeah. at, at the quarter marks and, and we'll review how we're doing. Um but yeah, we can do uh,
0: we'll do some collabs. I know we we've been talking offline maybe about doing something at Surly too, and um yeah. we're not quite that far down the road with our planning with them, but we'll definitely uh we'll get the we'll get the Vikings community together. And it'll be an event session or it'll be a celebration, depending on how the season's going.
1: <laughs> as long as there's beer, I'm down for either one. So, um, and if, if you come back to town uh, and you're not too busy catching up with everyone else, let us know. And I know Tyler and I would be more than happy to meet up with you. So, not, uh, for sure. To everyone listening to this on the podcast tomorrow when it comes live or anybody in here to chat tonight, I know there were a lot of comments. Uh, thank you for joining. Uh, Phil, I think we'll be back next Monday with Tyler. on yep. uh, I forget what your show C-T-P-Mondays. is called. Mondays. I'm, I'm an asshole, sorry. Where we turn uh. your
0: Monday purple. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and then tomorrow, I'm pretty sure that, that Flip and Eric are back with uh, Vikings Hot Takes. So with that being said, everybody, we're about 10 days away from Vikings football. Uh, let's go. Skull.
0: Right on. Thanks, guys.